real old school. Judges chapter 3, verse 31. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines, 600 men with an ox coat. He also delivered Israel. Let's pray uh, one more time together um, tonight. Jesus, we thank you. God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your presence that's here. I pray, God, that you would minister uh, through your word tonight. God, that your will be done the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. I was in Bible college. I think I told this story before. Um, some of you may remember the book, A Prayer of Jabez. The Prayer of Jabez. I wasn't a fan. Um, <laughs> they made us read it. And it's like just two verses. And um, some guy wrote this whole thing about praying. God will give you blessings and he'll do it if you pray this certain prayer. And it was just a magical formula for getting stuff from God, it seemed like. Um, and uh, I thought it was a bit silly, and so we had to write a book report about it, and I wrote that I thought it was silly. And it was okay with me writing that. That was fine. <laughs> I passed the class somehow. But um, then later on, we had um, an assignment. We had to pick a judge and write something about a judge, and I was like, well, if a guy can write... You know, a whole book about two verses. Surely I can write a paper on the, a judge that only has one verse. And that's where Shamgar comes from. So I found the shortest story and I wrote about it. Everyone else was doing like Samson and, you know, all those guys. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this to prove that prayer of Jabez is whatever. And so I told you this morning I was rebellious once upon a time. But, um, I found the story and I wrote about it, but it's in the, the middle of my favorite story, um, Ehud, which we've talked about before. I haven't preached from Ehud in a while. Maybe I will. Um, Judges chapter 3 tells the story of Ehud and Eglon. Um, and right at the end, the writer just throws this little verse in there. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines, 600 men. And... Um, uh, with an ox goat, he also delivered Israel. It's kind of like an afterthought, you know. It's telling the story of Ehud, and then it's like, oh, this guy did this thing too. There was also this Shamgar guy that killed some guys, and then the next verse goes back to Ehud. And it's like, yeah, died, and this happened, and um, and like Shamgar was kind of an afterthought. And sometimes in life, we can feel like that. And we can feel like maybe we're not important or we're just an afterthought. I mean, feel like we fall between the cracks maybe. And, you know, I've been there. I'm sure you have with life and sometimes even church and everything that happens. Um, we can feel like nobody cares or we're just kind of thrown in the middle there and people forgot about us. Oh, yeah, and then, and then Will was also there. And we're kind of just like that. And, you know, I, I know what that's like. We... We applied to go to the mission field three times before they would even do anything with it. Everyone else is just like, applied once and that's that. I'm waiting for years and they haven't even processed it. I don't know what the deal was. 
Took us five years to get an application approved. Really crazy. And uh, work, I was always passed over. This is a big sob story for you. Um, over and over again for promotions, even though I've been there the longest. Works, you know, it was reliable. I just thought I had too much fun at work, so obviously I couldn't move on. Um, and even in church, I've had times where I felt like I was passed over um, by leadership and things. And but Jesus, Jesus sees all that. He always sees. He sees everything that goes on, and it doesn't matter who else notices. It doesn't seem like a lot of people really cared about what Shamgar did and what. Where God noticed, and he made sure that his little story got put in the book of Judges. And it doesn't matter who else notices what we do for God, he, he does. And if we're faithful, he will open doors for us. And Israel, um, during the book of Judges, they didn't have much leadership. They were constantly fooling around and doing whatever, and then they'd get in trouble, and... Um, God would raise someone up because they prayed, but usually it took them a few years before they figured out that maybe we should smarten up here. And Ehud had just delivered them from Moab, who they'd been under for 18 years, and now the Philistines, it seems like they start attacking. And God had just delivered them from one enemy, and another comes along, and that's just, you know, how it goes in life. Right? One thing, you get one thing taken care of and then something else comes up. It's not one thing, it's another, they say. And so the Philistines, they start to attack and it doesn't seem like anyone's doing anything. Um, no one seems to be standing up, but you see this guy, Shamgar, he's living in around the time of Ehud and he's obviously heard the story of Ehud and him rising up to fight and get the victory and how he tricked the king and God used him even though he was left-handed and a bit of an oddball and all that. And, and maybe as a result of hearing the story of Ehud, he's kind of in the middle there, maybe Shamgar felt like he could do something for God too. As you'll find that when you step out and try to do something for God, if you step out in worship, if you step out in prayer or teaching a Bible study or ministering in any sort of way or serving somewhere in the kingdom of God. If you do that, someone else will often follow and do it as well. They'll be inspired by what you do. And uh, it creates sort of a, a culture. People see your faith and they're inspired to believe as well. It's a chain reaction, or hopefully it is. It should be sometimes I feel like we're the only ones. Or like Elijah. But I think, you know, if someone can step out, maybe maybe I can. I know I'm only here you know, because I saw other people in my church be used of God and accept the call of God. And my church was a church that was always, uh, Brother Goddard used to say, we're ascending church. I don't know how many pastors came out. Um, in the church just from when I was a lad. You know, I can um, I can start naming up over ten at least. Like people who just come out pastoring, missionaries, all kinds of things. And before my time there is there was even more. And that's just what my church was like. And it it caused me to believe that, you know, I can you know, if this guy can do it, then maybe maybe I can do it. And and so that's what happens. And 
You know, we hear a testimony, you know, God, that's what we tell testimonies, you know, that God can do it for them, if he can use them, if he can save Brother Newell, he's in the army, he can save someone else, well, they're in the army. And we get, you know, if he can do this for them, if he can use them, then he can use me too. And I, I believe, you know, that that's what is happening with Shamgar here. And so the Philistines, they start attacking, and along comes Shamgar with an ox goad. And I don't know if we're all familiar with a goad. I don't know if you have one at home. But it's a, it a used to poke oxen when they decided they didn't want to work or walk anymore. And I could have used one of those when I was at McDonald's. <laughs> I'm sure those of you that are still working can find a use for, for one of those. You just poke it. The oxen, when they didn't feel like walking anymore, basically it was just a long, big old pointy stick. And somehow Shamgar just destroys 600 Philistines with a stick. I know it was pointed, but it's still a stick. It wasn't iron, it wasn't, you know, a sword or whatever. It was a, it was a stick. It wasn't even a donkey's jawbone, it was a stick. He didn't have any newfangled weapons. He didn't have state-of-the-art technology or whatever. He didn't have an army. He didn't have a group with him. He didn't have an armor bearer. He didn't have a friend. He didn't have a team. He didn't have a sword, a shield, a spear, a dagger, a slingshot, or anything like that. It was just him, God, and a stick. And Jesus has given each of us something different. And he's made us all differently. We all have different skills talents, personalities, and abilities, and gifts. How often do we get caught comparing what we have with what someone else has? How many times do we sell God short with excuses? Well, I can't do that. I just got a stick. Ehud had a dagger. You know, these other people have these other things. I just got, you know, a stick. Feel to go pray for someone. And God's calling us to do something like that. Well, I don't want I've got all these mistakes. I've got all these flaws. I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I'm not good enough to step out. I don't know enough. You know, how many times do we hold the Holy Ghost back from moving with our excuses? I'm not, you know, good enough or I'm too young or old or overweight or awkward or I don't have enough hair. It happens. <laughs> I'm too, you know, broken, tired, whatever, quiet inexperienced, whatever. We make excuses sometimes when God's trying to use us and we compare ourselves to others. You know, I'm not this person, so I can't do that. No, I'm not. I'm not Brother Newell, so I can't do the things he can do. We're always comparing ourselves. We make excuses and we sell ourselves short and, and God short as well. He wants to use us and he wants to work with the Second Corinthians 10 and 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The Bible says it's foolish, for it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. And so, I have a word for you today. Stop it. When we compare, we make excuses, we handcuff the Holy Ghost from having his way. And the Bible says that we are, you know, we're called to be his hands and we're called to be his 
his feet. And Jesus is saying, you know, you see them, you see that need. I want you to go pray for them. I want you to lay your hands on them. I want you to um, reach for that family. I want you to, 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 to do that. I want to use you to pray that prayer and have it happen. And we say, oh, God, I can't. I'm not this person. I'm not that person. I don't, have, I don't pray as well as they do or whatever. I need that. I want you to teach a Bible study. They need a Bible study. Oh, I can't. I don't, I don't know enough about it. Call the, this person or call that person. They can do it. And, you know, there's a, there's a people, there's a nation that needs to hear about my name. And we'll make excuses. Oh, I'm not ready to go. I don't know. I can't speak that language. I, I don't have the money. I can't. I can't do it. And God's calling us and trying to use us to do things. And we just kind of, oh, I can't do it because I don't have what I think that I need. Moses, he tried it. Oh, God, I don't speak well enough. If you needed to speak well, I'd definitely be used. So... (laughs) be a lot of people that weren't preaching if we need to be eloquent in our speech Gideon he was scared but God used him anyway all all throughout the Bible there's people that didn't have what they needed David had a slingshot you know you know the stories Philippians 4 13 probably one of these verses you haven't heard much but it says I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me Either that is true or it's not. Either we believe what the Bible says or we don't. If you believe the rest of the Bible, you better believe what that says. He, we can do whatever it is that he's calling us to do. He's going to give us the strength. Either we can do all things or we can. Either he's our provider or he's not. Either he's anointed us and called us out or sanctified us, saved us, sent us, made us workers in his kingdom or, or not. Which one is it? Do we believe the word? Or do we not? Well, I don't know. Nobody's answering me. We can't pick and choose what scriptures are true. Either they're all true or they're not. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. Shamgar could have said, sorry God. Can't do it. These are, there's 600 of these dudes. I just got a stick. Or poking my animals. I can't fight them. I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield. I don't have an army. I don't have any training. I'm just a just a farmer poking my poking my oxen. Samson, you know, I can't fight. I've only got this jawbone. You know, David, I can't fight Goliath. I've only got a sling. Peter, I can't preach the day of Pentecost. I, you know, I, I, I let you down before. I can't do that now. Paul, you know, I can't. I can't change the world. I can't go and preach to these people. You know, you don't know what I've done. Who I was. And anyone can make excuses, but in the end, they don't hold up because God's the one that uses and God's the one that gives us strength. And we're all different. We all have different skills and callings and talents, sure, but we are all called. We're all anointed. We're all saved. We're all chosen. We're all important. We all have something different in our hands. For Shamgar was an ox goat. For Samson, he had a, a jawbone. For David, he had a sling. For Ehud, he had a dagger. For Peter, he had experience and a loud mouth. For Paul, he had the education. He was able to debate anyone. 
But when we put it in the hands of God, there's no telling what can happen. It's just a stick. It's just this. It's just that. It's just not personality. It's just whatever. It's nothing big or important. It's just a talent. It's just a passion. It's just a burden. It's just a calling. It's just, but in the hands of God, it's so much more. What you have may seem small and insignificant, but in the hands of God, it's anything but that. He made man from the dirt. He filled empty pots with oil. He made fire fall from the sky and burn a wet sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever seen fire fall from the sky. I haven't. He used a stuttering man to lead and speak to an entire nation. He used Moses, the man who stutters, to give the law. Have you read those books? There's a lot in there. Moses was good. <laughs> he used a guy hiding to lead a wild army of 300 men to victory. He used a shepherd to become a king, a Pharisee, to be a missionary, a few loaves and fish to feed thousands. It's just a stick, and it may not seem like a lot, but with God, it's enough. I think I've told you the story about this father and son before, but there's a man named Dick Hoyt. His son, Rick, had cerebral palsy. He was in a wheelchair, and he couldn't run or walk, or, you know, any of those things. They said he wouldn't be able to do much. And they told his parents that he would be a vegetable, they said, and they should put him in an institution and just let somebody else take care of him. But Dick and his wife, they did not accept it. And they took some hope. They noticed that Rick's eyes could follow them around the room. And they worked hard with him, and they taught him the alphabet, and they taught him words and all that. And at the age of 11, they fitted him with a computer that helped him to speak and communicate. And they learned that Rick was actually very smart. And Rick decided one day that he wanted to learn, or he wanted to race. There was a local lacrosse player who had had an accident and he was paralyzed. And he wanted to um, show people that life went on. And this guy was quite upset. He wanted to show them. He wanted to inspire others um, to help them. And he told his father as a teenager that he wanted to race in order to bring inspiration to others. His father, he wasn't a runner, but he agreed to run with Rick anyway. So in 1977, Dick and Rick Hoyt entered their first race together. Dick would run and he would push Rick in a chair. And Rick said, when I'm running, I don't feel like I'm handicapped. And so they kept running. And as of March 2016, the Hoyts had completed 1,130 endurance events, including 72 marathons and seven Ironman triathlons. They had run the Boston Marathon 32 times. Also adding to their list of achievements, Dick and Rick biked and ran across the U.S. in 1992, completing a full 3,735 miles in 45 days. And Rick and Dick inspired thousands of people, um, impacted thousands. Rick went on to graduate. This is the guy that they said 
wasn't going to be able to do anything. Rick went on to graduate from Boston University. He worked uh, in special education, helping communicate and develop technology to help people like him. And as Father says, we still haven't figured out what kind of vegetable he's supposed to be. And to the world, Rick didn't have much to offer. But he placed what he had in the hands of his father. And his father carried him through. And together they were able to accomplish incredible things. We may not feel like we have a lot to offer tonight. But if we place it in the hands of our father, he can help us do incredible things. Ehud, he killed one man, had 30 verses dedicated to him. Shamgar took out 600 with a stick and had one verse. And it's not about recognition. Let's do it anyway. It's about Jesus, about his kingdom. It's not about our name. It's about his name. Some of the greatest Christians I know in my life that have influenced me the most are unsung heroes. No one outside of the local church knows who they are. Told you before about my son is one of my Sunday school teachers. I had lots of Sunday school teachers, but the one that stands out the most, Bessie, just was just laughing at me. This is a great lady. I don't know. She cleaned the church, her and her husband for years. They kept trying to pay them and they wouldn't take any money. All the stories about accidents they were in and God delivering them and just showed us how to we used to have prayer meetings in our Sunday school class. We were praying around the table for each other. This is what Bessie taught me. There was a man named Peter. Peter Wright. You can go to the church any time of day. Either Peter or one of his boys would be there praying. His boys were to come to church for many years, and Peter prayed and prayed and prayed until they finally came. And then they took on the same prayer. You could go just about any time and you would find one of them praying. They work shift work, they're all over the place, but they'd be at the church praying. And you could go, uh, he's passed away now, but he would be at the back of the church just praying. Just praying like this. The service was going on. And a guy named Bernie Hanscom. He was also in the army. He was in the war. Remember him telling testimonies about Oh, God delivered him and kept him safe when he was in those trenches. And he said, that's where I learned how to pray. You learn how to pray when you're in the trenches. And I remember hearing those stories. There's our friends, uh, the Bensons. You only know probably, I know they were here, but you never hear anyone talk about them. It was just me talking about them. Nobody really knows who they are. For other friends, the Longs. The same thing. Youth pastor, never got licensed, never really known outside the church. Neil taught me how to live for God, how to be faithful and consistent. All kinds of other guys I watched go through trials and divorces and loss and cancer and all sorts of things. And they'd show up every service and they'd pray and they'd worship and they'd lead the way. And I learned from them. And no one knows who they are, but... They all have had huge impacts on my life, and I would not be here if it was not for these people. To them, it made it just look like a stick, but they gave it to God, and they gave Him what they had, and He used it to save me, at least. And I know many, many others. 
They gave him their talents, their personality, their time. And King Saul failed because he was jealous of David and his accomplishments. He thought it was all about him, but he started comparing himself to David. He ended up failing, and when we do that, we're going to go down that same road. It's not about what they have, what someone else has. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom, his will, his plan, his purpose, changing this world, giving him what we have, submitting ourselves to him and letting him use us. It's just a stick. But when we give it to him, he can do incredible things through us. Let him take your talents. Let him take your time, your money, your knowledge, even your personality. For some of us, we got personalities. Well, we all do, but some of us have personalities. And God can use that. Let them take your past. You'll know where your testimony and what that's able to tell your story, what that is able to do in someone's life. Let them take your future. Let them take the hurts and the questions, your family, your doubts, your faith. Let him take the stick. Let him put it in his hands. What can he do with it? Whatever you allow him to do. It's just a stick, Shamgar. He can't do anything with that. But he had a huge victory because God. he let God use him. What we have may seem small. It may not look like we have a lot to offer, but when we place it in the hands of God, who knows what could happen. When we surrender ourselves to Him, we may be not as young as we used to be. Well, none of us are. That's how time works. And, you know, I don't have this or that. And I, If I could go back, you know, I would do this. I would do that. You know, I think that. I wish I would have done this. You know, it's hard to believe. But if we give him what we have left, we still got years, we still got time, we still have life. I think we're all alive still, still breathing. He can use us. What we have, if we place that in his hands, who knows what he can do. It may seem like we don't have as much to offer someone else, but in the hands of God, who knows? David just had a sling and a few stones. Moses had a stutter. <laughs> Peter, he, he, he had a personality. <laughs> and God used them. We put it in his hands, he can use it. We put our life in his hands, we can see what he can do. Here I am, Jesus. It's not much, but use me. It's up to you. But if we keep doing the same old thing, we keep selling ourselves short, and well, let someone else do it. Let this look at it. We keep comparing to others. You know, I don't have what they have, and it's going to be the same old thing. But we can place ourselves and give what we have into his hands and watch him do something amazing. It's just a stick. Give it to him anyway. Give yourself to Jesus. That's a simple message. It's not really, you know, whatever. 
we live a totally surrendered life to him, there's no telling what he can do in our lives, in our church, in this community, in our families. We're going to pray tonight. Some of us may have sticks. Some of us might have daggers and swords and shields. Some of us just got sticks. Some of us just got slingshots. Some of us just got something we found on the side of the road, like Samson. It may not seem like a lot, but when we give it to him, we give him what we've got, he can, he can work. And that's what I want. I want God to be able to work through me, my family, this church. So why don't we tonight, as we sing a song, and why don't we take some time and surrender to him whatever it is we have left. Whatever it is that we have, let's give that to him tonight. And Jesus, whatever you want to do, this is what I have. This is who I am, and I give it to you. I surrender it to you. God. Whatever your plan is, whatever your will is, I want to see it come to pass. I don't, Maybe it's not as much as someone else has. Maybe it's whatever, God, but I know that you can use whatever we give you. God, I'm, hallelujah. Let's pray that tonight. In Jesus' name.